welcome to Meet Me Backstage. This is the podcast that celebrates the talented and inspiring people who work behind the scenes in the music industry all around the world. Meet the backstage stars who make the magic happen before the beat drops. Meet Me Backstage. Welcome to Meet Me Backstage with me, Nikki. In this episode, I'm going to chat to someone who I got to know working at festivals, as he's a tour manager who's toured with many different bands, including fun-loving criminals who I first met him with, Eurasia, Alice Cooper, Hertz, Kiss, and many, many more. When you're working abroad at events, it's always nice to see a familiar, friendly face. And I soon learned that not only are tour managers hugely knowledgeable, they also make sure the artists stick to their schedule and promo commitments, which massively helps me in my job at the event too. And once you've built a relationship and trust with each other to get the job done, it is priceless and it makes life a lot easier as things are so fast paced backstage with so many different artists and bands to work with each day. I always think the tour managers probably know more about the business than anyone. And today I'm going to dig a little bit deeper and find out what it takes to be a tour manager, how you get the job in the first place and some stories from traveling on the road. So let's get started and meet my guest today, Steve Toth. So, hey, Steve, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I know you're always busy, so it's good to get you before you head out on the road again. Yeah, it is a bit busy at the moment because we're just working on South America, which is not the easiest place to be going to. But yeah, slowly, slowly. Sounds good. And also, it's great to kind of catch up with you because it feels like forever. Uh, I think it has been. I can't even remember when. That's the thing. I know, definitely a while ago. Um, But also, I get the added bonus of making a podcast out of our conversation. So yay to that. That's cool. That's good. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so what tour are you heading out on next then uh i'll be with kiss uh off to south america then off to europe then off to australia then off to japan it should hopefully take us into december but who knows <laughs> that's a long one then a long one well it's part of a tour that started in 2019 january 2019 but obviously we took the the break the COVID break, uh, although we did go back out last August, September, October, November during the, the tricky times of COVID, uh, which we survived just. So it's just been a bit bitty, which is difficult, very difficult. So lots of reorganising and rescheduling then. Yeah, that's, the, that's the, you know, it's like anything. If you, if you take a break for too long, it's fine if you, you know, a week, couple of weeks, but when you get to three, four months and then you've got to regroup again, it's extremely difficult. It's almost like learning to ride a bike again, I think. (laughs) I'm sure you'll manage just fine. Um, So how long have you been working with KISS now and how did that come about? KISS, uh, I've been with them since June 2016. Um, It's quite a long time now, isn't it? I'm in 2022 now. (laughs) Uh, that was really a case of I was I was out on tour with somebody else and we had a slight break and the tour manager for this asked me to debt for him for a month, five weeks, six weeks while he was doing something else. So I went in to look after it for him 
Uh, and then it just materialised that the band were keen to keep me, <laughs> so they kept me, <laughs> which, is, uh, which obviously is a difficult situation to be in. Um, nice as it was, it's just difficult taking over from somebody else when they were expected to come back for their job, so very difficult. But it's done now, so six years on now, whatever it is, we're here. Excellent. So you talked about scheduling and regrouping and getting things together just now. Um, so yep. what does your role involve working for the bands then as a tour manager? You know, I'm guessing it's quite full on and a lot of pressure. So what kind of skill sets do you need? Well, at this at this level, the, the tour manager is predominantly basically looks after what we call the A party or the band party. So my main criteria is just the band manager. Uh, and any staff that we have that travel with the band, which is assistance, security. And my job is just basically to put together the logistics of how we're going to move from date to date, show to show, where we're going to stay, where we're not going to stay, how we're going to get there, and how we're going to get back. That's basically it. Sounds easy. <laughs> when you're dealing with a band, obviously, certain bands have certain formulas. That, I mean, it's a formula to everything but very much a case of certain bands will go, some like to stay after the show, some like to travel after the show to the next city. So you just basically got to cater for everybody's desire, women desire. It's basically presenting them with a plan that they can either say no to or yes to or give an alternative, which is also very difficult because it's you tend <laughs> to find different band members want to do different things. <laughs> and how do you find that compromise? Well, that's basically I deal closely with the manager. In the, in the instance of Kiss, Doc McGee is the manager, so he runs the whole show. I work very closely with him to come up with all the logistics and movements, uh, and then he basically he'll sell it to the band. Sounds easy. <laughs> well, as I say, yeah, it's, technically it's, it sounds easy, which, I mean, theoretically it is, but it's very much a case of like trying to sell it together and, of course, when you're five months, three months out trying to decide where, what you're going to do, where you're going to stay, when you're going to leave, where you're going to go, people don't really want to think about it that much. They just, oh, yeah, whatever. And then, of course, as soon as you get to the few days before, the questions start. Why are we going there? Why are we staying here? Why are we doing this? It's <laughs> like very much a case of trying to cover all bases in the eventuality of somebody saying, I think we should stay here or I don't think we should move or we should move, or putting in something like additional appearances or other things that bands have to do, you know, whether it be press, whether it be other commitments that they have, be ready for, you know, basically change the, the routing, as they say in America, uh, <laughs> and do it another way, but basically have all the bases covered. So it sounds like you've got to be very flexible and good with people. Yeah, very flexible. Uh, for an instance, when we did August, uh, September, October last year, I don't think we stayed in any of the places we'd originally planned. Two band members went down with COVID, so we had to break for two weeks. We ended up in Pittsburgh for just over two weeks. So we cancelled a lot of shows, moved them to now. Uh, so hotels, etc. we were sort of flying all over different places, going, oh, let's go here, let's go there. Then when we finally got back to the tour, it was very much a case of uh, everybody wanting to go to different places. So basically the whole itinerary changed completely. But you were very happy about all those changes, Steve. 
I don't know about happy, but the problem there is because if you make a late change, not only is it expensive, it's also it can be logistically difficult to get yourself booked into a decent hotel, etc. So it's you know, it's just trying to mind read everybody and sort of uh, just be one step ahead, or maybe two sometimes. <laughs> well, I suppose that's your job, isn't it, to be one or two steps is, ahead? Yeah. And then, of course, when you do it, they go, "Oh no, we don't want to do that." You go, oh, I thought I had it now, but I didn't. <laughs> But, you know, it's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. So. <laughs> so tell me about some of the shows you've done with the band and how they differ from other bands you've worked with. Because I, I remember you saying that they did their own cruise, the Kiss Cruise, and not every band does that, do they? No, this is uh, – we did the 10th cruise last November. This year will be the 11th cruise. I think they've done more cruises than anybody else. They were very early on board to, to do these band cruises, which basically involves taking another – nine or ten other acts that play during the five nights or five days at sea. Um, but obviously with KISS being the sort of uh, putting the whole thing together and deciding who's going to play and who's going to do what. Um, and then 3,000 fans that are going to come as well. So how would uh, preparing for a kind of cruise show differ from a normal stadium show? Uh, basically, uh, only, only from a logistical point of view, the size of the stages uh, and for something like KISS, for example, we don't use any pyrotechnics, of course, because we can't use anything on the ship. Uh, so it's just breaking the show down, which is basically comes under the uh, remit of the manager and the production manager. Robert Long, as the production manager, also designs the show as well to a certain degree. So he's capable of slimming everything down to a smaller theatre size, but still maintaining a sort of a bang for your buck, basically, which is quite clever. Sounds really fun on the ship, though. How did you find it? Um, I've got quite used to it now because it, be, you know, it's just yeah. Again, it's just another formula basically. Uh, the band invite a lot of guests, so we have you know we can have sort of families and stuff like that. So we'll bring up to a hundred extra people of, of guests and stuff like that. So they all they all need cabins, so I deal with that hotels and any logistical things that they want to deal with to get there and back, etc. To the cruise wherever it goes from Miami or New Orleans. So it can be a little bit difficult, especially for people who've never cruised before. There's a lot of questions, you know, where do we do this? How do we do that? You know, and the worst thing, of course, is there is no whole phone signal at sea, which basically <laughs> most people will get on the ship and go, I can't get the internet. You know, well, yeah, you're not going to get the internet for five days, possibly. So you probably shouldn't have come. <laughs> One of those yeah, most people can't live without Wi-Fi these days. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, obviously for us it's difficult as well because we're normally bridging into the next leg of the tour. So it's like we're trying to keep in contact with the next piece uh, and we just don't have that contact. I mean, you can't even contact each other virtually. We have to use radios or all sorts of different types of communication that we've got to all run around the ship to try and find each other, <laughs> which can be difficult. On your satellite phones? Uh, we do take a satellite phone. But generally, we just leave that for the band if they want to call home or something like that, or somebody needs to contact us urgently on the ship. But it's generally once once you dock and disembark, it's that complete mass of emails piling <laughs> in and sort of everyone wanting the answer now, 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 because we've been away for five days. <laughs> yeah, so you get a few days break, then it goes insane. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely, uh, I mean, obviously I've never done a cruise before, but once I started, it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like just <laughs> another another facet of touring, really. Different challenge that you now have mastered? 
Uh, I wouldn't say mastered, but yeah, yeah, very much a different challenge. Very much a different challenge. Now, you clearly have a context book on steroids, uh, you know, working on such high profile tours and touring for so long with bands to make sure everything runs like clockwork. You know, and I've always wondered, you know, how people even become a tour manager as when I first started, it was kind of something I'd never really heard of. So how did you even get into it? That's a very good question. Um, Generally, most people don't start, don't say, I'm going to be a tour manager and start being a tour manager. Generally, tour managers come from another part of the crew. And in my instance, I was the front house, I was a sound engineer. So I mixed the sound at the front of the house for the bands. I just sort of slipped into it. When you're working with smaller bands, it became the fact of like, you can be the sound engineer. And you go, well, I might as well be the tour manager as well because you've got to keep a smaller crew on smaller terms from, from a financial point of view. Same as production managers. They don't tend to start as production managers. They'll either be lighting guys, staging guys, and then they become production managers. You sort of step your way up. Yeah, tour manager, I'd never really thought about it or heard about it, really. In the early days, it was just one of those things. All oh, right, tour manager, that's not a bad job. A lot of people don't want to do the tour manager job because you've got to, technically you deal with a band. <laughs> Everyone else is happy dealing with the crew, but when it comes to dealing with the band, you'll find a lot of people go, I couldn't do that, I can't do that, because you've got to deal directly with the band. It's very much a case of strange whims and uh, oddities that they all sort of grow into from a touring point of view. You do look at them, some bands sometimes go, how, how do you survive at home? It's like, <laughs> uh, or maybe, maybe we just enable them to be like that. I d- honestly don't know. But every different band has different ways of doing things. So are you kind of like part tour manager, part tour mother as well? Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so, very much so. Uh, (laughs) I suppose you enable the situation to arise from the point of view, just trying to think of a decent example, (sighs) the coffee's too too cold. It's like, okay, uh, well, we get it sorted. After a while, you go... I know it's going to be too cold. It's just going to be, you know, we have the assistance to deal with that, but it's very much a case of you get the phone call. It's like, why is the coffee always cold in the hotel? It's like, to be honest, I don't know the answer to that one, but we'll make sure. So you enable these these strange little things because I would assume as a band member, once you've done your shows, it's like, now what can I do? Oh, I know what. I'll complain about the air conditioning or I'll do something else or, you know, I suppose there's nothing else for them to do, but and it can be amusing <laughs> making people run around after you. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it's their way to get back at you in some way. <laughs> I don't even know if they get back at you. I think they just do it. They just do it. It seems to be part of the band members' handbook somewhere. Just <laughs> run everybody ragged, you know. Make fun of the tour manager. Make fun of the tour manager and the manager. You know, everybody. You know, it's just, it's just. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying not everybody does it, but it's surprising that people do fall into that little category. As much as they say, "I'm not going to be like that," <laughs> and you go. <laughs> so you have to have quite thick skin, then. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you have. To, yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, I can be a little, I suppose, sensitive on the one hand, but also on the other hand, I'm just you just end up being grumpy all the time, and everyone just knows you're <laughs> the grumpy to the manager. And I'm sure anyone listening to this who is a tour manager will also be in the same boat. Yeah, and I guess you've got to be positive, keeping everyone else upbeat, ready to go to the next show and the next show and keep yeah. the energy levels going. 
yeah, there's a, there's an element of that. You know, there's definitely, hey, come on, guys, let's, you know, there's, you know, there's all sorts of things. Once they get into a, not necessarily a groove, once they get into a rut, it can, you can really bring them down after a while. And they sort of basically, they do get into a rut because it's sort of, some of them, they get bored. Some of them get bored. Others don't. But obviously it is that thing. What are we going to do for the day off? You know, so tend to find a lot of them either they go crazy sightseeing or do certain things. But if you've been touring for 40 years, it's like you go, oh, I've been there a hundred times. I'm fine. <laughs> Duvet uh, day with Netflix. Yeah, which we, you know, we, we, we enable all that as well. We make sure the rooms have got all the, you know, the, all the TV channels, you know, we take our own fire sticks and all that kind of stuff to make sure there's amusement for all of them. Um, <laughs> so what was the first act that you went out on tour with then? Uh, I think that would probably be Erasure. And how did you end up working with them? I previously was, I was in a band with another guy. And at that time, we were very friendly with Vince Clark. We became our producer and then he formed Erasure out of the ashes of all his other bands. Uh, we got basically dropped from the record label. So we were basically myself uh, and my partner were without work. And it just turned around. He became, said, well, why don't you do, you become a tour manager and I'll become a sound engineer. So that's what happened. Tiny, <laughs> tiny shows because they went back. They started from the bottom again. So. So it's good training ground. Well, that's very cool that you were in a band before. So what instruments did you play then? I was the singer. Ah. <laughs> so I played keyboards <laughs> very badly, and I sing very bad. So it was a very <laughs> short-lived career span um, for whatever reasons. It's just, but it was, it's like all of these things, there's little stepping stones and things that you do, and it's sort of, this is what I want to do, and then you end up doing something completely different because you're not very good at what you want to do or other chances are thrown up to you uh, where suddenly you get a chance and you just go, oh, I should do that. I never thought I'd be doing this years later, but that's uh, that's sort of how I think that's the same for any job really or any career. Map out your career path, but it doesn't mean you're always going to get there because you may end up not liking the career that you've chosen. Uh, and suddenly something else springs up and go, wow, how did I end up doing this? But you either take the chances or you don't. So That's very true. Better. Clearly the universe had other ideas for you, Steve. Yeah, and it was probably better that they dropped us off the record label instead of uh, continuing down that <laughs> career route. And if you said that um, not many people actually want to be the tour manager because it's quite a difficult job speaking with a band, it's clearly your forte and your calling. I suppose in one respect, yes. I, yeah, yeah, I suppose it is actually. I, I don't know. I've always got on with the bands. You know, it's always been a, a bond or a rapport because obviously it has to be to a certain degree. Mm. But uh, yeah, I've always, I've always been comfortable with the bands. It's not, it's not been an issue. And I guess it's a job where, like you say, there has to be a rapport and a bond, but also there has to be a huge trust and respect because you're in a situation being very close to them and knowing lots of things about them that, you yeah, know, shouldn't be anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of, yeah, obviously, there's all the stories, but most of the stories stay within the, as they always say, what goes on the road stays on the road. But yeah, I mean, you know, some artists are legendary difficult. I mean, some people go, oh, you were, what were they like? Were they really difficult? Go, yes, they were. It was actually true. They are. 
But there is a, there is a trust element uh, in terms of you know you just you don't go blabbing on about what's what's going on and stuff. Because certain things, obviously, at this level, you know, there are a lot of things that are confidential. But it's sort of so you just got to keep it to yourself, basically. And you're clearly very good at that. But speaking of stories. I have to bring up when I first met you, which was in uh, Bulgaria when you were with the fun-loving criminals. And I remember we were were in the dressing room. Louis was being Mr. Entertainment, making cowboy killers for everyone. And we had a meet and greet with a competition winner. And I don't know if you remember this, but they stole some drink from the the dressing room and ran off. Uh, Obviously, that wasn't very impressive. So uh, it was like, (laughs) probably wasn't the best way to meet. I don't remember. Do you not remember? <laughs> I, I, remember <laughs> I remember the gig. It was, it was on the lake, wasn't it? Or on a river. Yeah, it was on a lake, wasn't it? Or somewhere like that. I think it was on a beach by the sea. So it's definitely by water. Yeah. I do remember it, but I don't remember that that, that particular yeah, part. Yeah, I just remember that. And I just thought, God, he's probably never going to speak to me again now. But thankfully you did. <laughs> no, no, I think it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just... Yeah, because you do meet, you meet so many people. And then there, there is this whole thing of like, oh, I don't know whether you'll ever see anyone again, you know, or I don't know. It's just difficult. It's like a lot of tours. You, you, you live with people for a year on end, you know, and then suddenly the tour finishes you and you never make contact with some of those people ever again. It's uh, or not ever again, your, your paths cross, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's just, and that's the same for meeting people that work at venues, shows, festivals. It's like, you bond with some of them and you keep in touch with some of them for whatever reasons. Other people, you just ships passing in the night. That's it, basically. Yeah, I think you were one of the tour managers I kept seeing at different shows after that. So I yeah. think that's probably how we made a connection because I kept seeing you. Um, that's right. Well, we did, I mean, I, I did quite a lot, a lot of times. I did the Exit Festival with different bands as well. Yeah. So, and yeah, you get to see people and go, hey, hi, that's good, you know. And it is good having that, keeping that rapport with certain people because there are times when you may need them and they may need you, for example. It's like, I try not to be a difficult tour manager. And people go, oh, actually, he's all right. He's compared to other people, or alternatively, I could be the worst. I don't know. But it's just that thing. If, if there is a rapport, it's easier for people to ask you for things. Say, oh, could we do this? Go, yeah, sure, no problem. It's not a big deal, you know. It's like, because most things aren't a big deal, but... It's very much a case of if you've fallen out with someone, don't bother asking. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really true what you just said, though, because as I got to know you, I suppose there was a trust and a bond there. So... Um, yeah, whenever, yeah, whenever, whenever I saw you at other festivals, if I when we did the interviews with artists, it was much easier yeah. because you knew me and you trusted me, and it just yeah. made things much easier. Um, yeah, and you can smooth it through with the bands because it's very much a case of once the uh, once the all the interview interviews are set up for when you arrive at the shows and things like that, a lot better. Oh, we have to do this, and then yeah, well, you do actually. That's, <laughs> that's, part, that's part of your job. Uh, so consequently, I then my job on that level is to basically make sure that the bands get to where they are to do the interviews. Whoever's doing the interviews are happy with them and the band are happy also. So it's like, and if you do know the other person who's dealing with the publicity side or whatever other side, you know, stage managers could be anything, that you get that rapport and you can make things as smooth as possible and it makes it easy for everybody and everybody gets what they want without too many tears. Otherwise, it's just people running, I ain't fucking doing it, I ain't doing this, I ain't doing that. It's like, well, 
you agreed to do it, now you don't want to do it. And that's the case in, in hand for, for quite a few artists that will just go, I'm doing it. <laughs> I always joke with people saying that often I feel like my job is managing people's disappointment because often, yes. you, you know, you have uh, artists agreeing to do things, then, you know, they might feel ill or tired on tour and then obviously they're not going to do the press. So then I'm the one yep. who has to break the wonderful news. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, yeah, that's my job to go to publicity and say, hey, look, <laughs> Uh, the guys are really busy, they're rewriting the set, or they've got this, or they've got to do that. You know, all the excuses are, I'm the bad guy. So, but that's the job, you know, it's like. The thing is, I learned a lot from you because I met you kind of early on in my career at festivals, yeah. learning what tour managers were and liaising with bands. And because you were so helpful, you kind of taught me that, right, the tour manager is the person to befriend and be nice to because they can help you do your job. Well, see, that's the thing, you see, it's basically there are instances where. <laughs> People will want the band to do certain things, and it's like, well, okay, it's all been prearranged through me, uh, especially at a sort of a certain level. And it's like, okay, yeah, we've got this, we've got this, we've got it. And I've got the diary of what everybody's doing as soon as we arrive, or where we're going, or what we're doing. So consequently, you'll tend to find some people will try and circumvent that hierarchy sometimes and go, well, I'll just go ask the band myself. Then, of course, what happens then is you've got the band coming, you go, are we going to go and do this? And you go, well, we got to go do something else because they don't want to disappoint or other times they would just basically say, why are people talking to us? They've got to arrange it with you. You know, it's sort of, that's the, I'm the point person basically. And that's the important part. And it's very much a case of if that breaks down with you and the band, I have had bands where they go, oh, we can deal with ourselves. And then it becomes a mess because it's like they've agreed to do seven different things all at the same time. So consequently, <laughs> Very much like, okay, now what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> you so, so lots of tricky situations in. Actually, another oh, one's yeah. just popped into my head. I think when you were at exit, weren't you stuck at the border because your bus had caught fire or something? Uh, was that with the Eagles? No, that would be with Hertz, wasn't it? Was it Hertz? Yeah, I'm sure there was yeah. a fire. What was that about? No, that was, no, that was <laughs> I think what happened there... I think one of our trucks was delayed at the border for some reason. You know, maybe it was just an engine fire or, or something. I honestly can't remember. But it was a case of <laughs> we were all there, the band, most of the crew, but we just didn't have one of the trucks. And it was very much a case of, oh, what are we going to do? And I think at that point, uh, who else was playing? Was it Swade? Yeah, I think it was Swade was playing closing the show after us uh and we asked i asked them to see if they would swap positions so that they could go on before us and at the same time that gave us a bit more time to get our trucks in um, and they said no <laughs> and it was like thanks and it was one of those where it's, we did do it if you remember the truck turned up something like 45 minutes before the show with all the lights on all the stage part of the stage show so it was a tricky situation, but it was very much a case of like the band would go, "Oh, let's just cancel, let's just go." It's like, no, we're not. We got, you know, we're here. We've got to do it. Bands will cancel at the drop of a hat if they do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you found a way to make it work, but a, sh- a shame the the other band wouldn't be so uh, helpful and compromised for you. That was noted in the book. Noted in the book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know the tour manager, uh, and I have pulled up. Couple of the band members since I've seen them since. 
but uh, of course, all bad news go. Oh, it was nothing to do with me. I, I, I don't know. I didn't know about it. It's like yeah, you did. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you get lots of situations like that? I mean, I know it's difficult because no. you can't talk about everyone, but is there any other kind of like tricky situations you've had to work with and get out of? Uh, oh, yeah. Batman was getting arrested. Crewman was getting arrested for whatever reasons, you know, whether they're guilty or not. It's like with one particular band, we got arrested going into, I want to say, Serbia or somewhere like that. But they were very adamant. The, the drugs that they were smoking were fine and it was not a problem. And it wasn't it was going to be plain sailing through the border. And of course it wasn't. So they were detained and I had to get them out of time to get to the show. They were very, uh, people told you, know, people are really big. As soon as the police arrive, they get really small. <laughs> and <they're> like, <laughs> and when, they come out, when they come out of the holding or wherever they've been, the police station, they go, Oh, I told them what, you know, and it's like, well, actually, I was there. We didn't. <laughs> and that does happen. And it's normally places, you know, for uh, old Eastern Bloc territories, uh, you know, Russia, Ukraine, Estonia. Some of those places can be a little bit tricky. Let's say the Serbia. Um, it is difficult. And of course, bands just tend to be a little bit fly sometimes. I think people forget that the rules and laws are different in other countries sometimes as well. Very very different. You do explain, as as part of your job, you do explain to them. I mean, a classic example, one of the early bands I managed and took to America for their first ever tour in the late 80s, early 90s, I explained to them the rules of age of consent in different states, stuff like that. Dare I say it? inviting people onto the buses to travel across state lines and things like that. Technically, in certain states, it can be seen as an underage person on the bus. It can be seen as like a statutory rape and kidnapping, basically, charges to be brought against you. So you have to educate people on that. Because most people just go, ah, oh, we don't, you know, it's, yeah, well, it's, it doesn't apply to us. And it's like, well, yes, it does. Wow, that's super serious, isn't it? Quite scary. Yeah, I mean, it has happened, you know. Having buses pulled along, you know, pulled over and stuff like that. Uh, people going to America and then carrying firearms and things like that because it's like, oh, everyone's got a gun, you know. So, no. That does happen <laughs> too. You know, all sorts of really strange, odd things. And then, of course, the usual scenario of, you know, anything illegal and illicit that, Bands may carry or crews may carry. <laughs> uh, you just have to be aware of that sometimes. Possibly from the US and Canada and things like that. There's been a number of occasions where to get people out of that. So, what would you say is the most difficult territories to tour then? Because you just talked about America, the different rules going from state to state. So, would that be one of the most difficult, or would you say other territories? Russia's a difficult spot, you know, because it's like, I've been there many, many times, and it is it is difficult. It is difficult. You just have to be aware that, obviously, as you pointed out, laws are different in every country. And dare I say it, some countries don't like the British, um, and it can be difficult. Obviously, Argentina, for example, there's still the hangover from the Falklands and things. You know, although it may seem you just got, and you've got to be respectful of the. Of the the territories that you're touring, uh, 
You know, it's just got to be a little careful sometimes. Yeah, sometimes we get it with journalists too, you know, on press trips. You know, I think it was I think it was in Serbia actually, we had a journalist who had a friend that came with him to the festival, uh, got yeah. caught with an illegal substance and then got taken to the local police station in the slammer. And, and I think the festival had to help get him out. And I think the police wanted, I don't know, was it 200 euros or something, get out of jail fee. Um, so, yeah, it was yeah, kind yeah. Of like, yeah. so it was kind of like, you know, tourists are an easy target to kind of uh, get some money out of maybe. I don't know. But it was a very difficult situation because you don't want a bad story written about you. But equally, their no, friend no, did I mean, something wrong. I think, yeah, I was, uh, uh, I was in Siberia with a particular band we brought out uh, some journalists from the UK. Uh, one of them got detained. <laughs> uh, and it was very much a case of like, he was not in a very good mood and it was very much a case of like, well, they didn't detain you for nothing. I mean, it may be a mistaken identity, but it was very much a case of like, he was very unhappy and it was like, he had to spend a week in Siberia and he was like, not happy at all, and it was very much a case of, well, let's not upset everybody, shall we? But in, in the end, we did upset everybody, and it was very difficult. So we all did it, so it was very much, yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing yeah. the feature didn't turn out so good then. <laughs> uh, it did, actually, yeah. It was yeah, it was odd, actually. I still see the guys on TV now, but he's like, yeah, you know, journalists coming in to join tours, things like that, is, or anybody coming in to join tours can be difficult because it's a family. You're coming into a situation. Uh, <laughs> and pans and crews up. There's anyone from the outside. It's basically uh, open season, basically. <laughs> uh, especially journalists. <laughs> yeah, so, so no more journalists on the tour bus then? Well, I mean, we used to take them all the time, but it's very much, uh, obviously, Kiss, we don't do that. It's not, it's not that kind of tourist tour generally don't do do much press so it's uh uh once you get to a certain level you just you either don't need it or you just don't want to do it so or you do it before you leave home but yeah it's not just journalists it could be anybody of course there's the there's the usual situation for tour managers the families coming as well which is for me personally not my favorite i get it but it can be a little difficult <laughs> Yeah, and I guess sometimes the tour buses aren't so glamorous and have enough space for everybody, really, if the family's no, coming. No, no, that's – and sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable for them. And it, it just – it's boring. <laughs> I mean, generally, <laughs> it's boring. The guys that don't – you know, the bands are working, so you know, they've got a soundtrack of the done, or they've got to be there for this, they've got to do that. It's just sort of like uh, – tedious or doing that. and I know a lot of people go I don't want to I don't I'll see you when you get home I don't want to see you it's just not worth it no. <laughs> so you talked about some of the different um, artists you've worked with um, so how do you end up getting the job to work with those artists you know is it a kind of word of mouth thing or is there an agency or how does that all work well always in my instance it's just been word of mouth just been talking to people and trying to uh, Trying to hook myself. I've, I've never been really that good at it, basically. There's been a lean period where you go, I have got any work. You've got friends who are like always busy. And it's like, how do they get all that stuff? It's just a networking thing. Sometimes I'm just not very really good at it. Some things fall in your lap, other things you hunt down. 
and then you get disappointed, and then you end up with something else. You go, oh, okay, I get, you know, fair enough. Uh, and it comes through agents, promoters knowing you, uh, managers knowing you, bands knowing you. Uh, but I've never really... That, there are little, I believe, uh, little uh, setups or agencies or, or setups that have tour managers on their books and production managers and people like that. But I've never been one of those people. So it's just been, you know, just trying to get to work myself, which has sometimes been successful and sometimes it hasn't. So. But I'm here <laughs> now, so I'm still alive just. So, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah, because how long have you been will. doing it now? Uh, touring since 85, 86, uh, which was sound, but when did I become a tour manager? I suppose 89, 90 as a tour manager. Long time. Well, you must be doing something right, Steve. You must be doing something right, Steve. There was, there was, there was a period of time where I was actually managed a couple of bands as well that were quite successful. So I was obviously the manager, the tour manager, and the sound engineer, which was kept the older, kept the budgets down, which was good. So <laughs> consequently, that helped. Uh, but then what happens is you, you fix your flag to a certain ship, and you spend too much time, miss a lot of stuff. By the time you've finished with all of that. Uh, Nobody wants to know you, or you're, well, nobody knows you're available, or it's, it's just one of those things. If you work for a band full time, like Kiss, everyone goes, Oh, well, you're always busy with Kiss. So we're not going to offer you any other work. We're not going to call you for work. So, which that's what happens. So, you sort of got to keep yourself, you, you either keep yourself around because you're open for other work, or some people just do, do stick with certain two or three bands, and that's it. They don't, they don't do anything else. So, one of those. Well, I've met you when you've worked with lots of different bands. So is there anyone else that you've worked with that you haven't mentioned yet? But I mean, there has been a lot. There's, even some of them I even forget. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, I suppose I, I don't forget 30 Seconds to Mars because I did a, a, a long stint with them. That was probably the most difficult period of my touring career. And how long uh, were you working with them? I think I did 13 months with them nonstop. Uh, and I know when the last show was December 9, 2011, it was like, yep, that's it. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> and it was very much a case. It was, it was very hard work, extremely, extremely, extremely hard work because of the way Jared works, the way he runs, just his methodology. He doesn't ingratiate himself to a lot of people. Well, if you can survive that, you can survive anything then by the sounds of it. <laughs> Uh, there is an element of that. I do get a lot of bands go, oh, so you worked with them? So I say, what were they like? And other bands want to know what other bands are like. Oh, okay. Well. Interesting. Yeah, well, well they are. Because it's just, you know, they they do want to know what other bands are like. So are we better than them? And it's like, well, no, it's just different. Really. So, uh, <laughs> no, that's really interesting that you would get those kind of questions. So we talked about you've done so many, so much different stuff in your career. So, do you think there's anything you wish you'd known before you became a tour manager? Um, no, not really, because, I mean, you, you basically pick it up, on, uh, you know, as you go. You know, when you're working with small bands in the beginning, you end up in a support band, so you see the main act. You see what their tour manager's like. As far as I'm concerned, we're useless and we're idiots. And you go, that's how I don't want to be. So when you <laughs> become the main act... Uh, it's. I think it's only right to treat the, the opening act, the support act, 
with the respect that they deserve. Because guess what? As I tell everybody, one day they could be your future employer. <laughs> so it's like, just because they're a little band, you know, Coldplay was small once. So that's very true I guess that's a a good sentiment or mantra to live by wherever you go whenever you work because you don't know who the stage manager is going to be you don't know who the runner is going to be next or you know exactly Exactly. but yeah I mean I've worked with a lot lot of tiny bands a lot of big bands and it's and I like I like the diversity basically I do like the differences and the challenges with getting a you know a band in the back of a van or a certain amount of equipment getting into a really tiny show and going, you know, it looks good. It looks good. Sometimes you go, I don't know if it's worth it, but I think it is. So with the uh, minimum amount of fuss and the minimum amount of cost. Well, it sounds like you get a lot of satisfaction from uh, the work that you do. So is there a moment in your career that you maybe are most proud of? Hmm. (laughs) He's like, don't know. (laughs) Too many probably. (laughs) I suppose one of my proudest moments was, I suppose, which I still remember, was getting a job with Alice Cooper in 1997. That was a pretty big coup, mate, to come into a large outfit as an English tour manager with an American crew and a production And to get that job, that was Alice Cooper, who is a living legend. It was very much a case of like, wow. That was uh, that was pretty cool. That was going in as a tour manager and sound engineer guy. It was his front of house guy. So that was uh, that's one I remember. It's like, wow, that was. How did I get that? Wow, amazing! And how long did you tour with them? Uh, I probably did five, six years with him. I think, and that was a. And it came to a natural end. I think I was doing the cure at the same time as well, and that was basically. I'd got to the point where I just suddenly thought. I need to make a big change, basically pick up some smaller bands. And so I sort of dropped down again, but dropped down a gear or two for various reasons, you know, personal reasons as well as touring reasons. So, but yeah, I always remember getting the job with Alice. That was like, like wow, that's for me, that was pretty big time. So, like, yeah, that's amazing. I don't think you've even told me that because I one thing I think about you, Steve, I always think you're very humble in what you do because you never really talk about all the amazing artists and big things that you do or who you've worked with. No, no the, you know, the, the only, uh, only the impressive ones. I mean, I mean <laughs> if I do look at my CV, which wherever that may be, yeah, I think most tour managers' production, they'll remember the big ones, they'll remember the difficult ones, but then they'll suddenly go, I did that as well. And you go, you know, and I've said that to myself. I did, I did that. Yeah, I did, didn't I? All sorts of strange bands, Alphaville, Diamanda Galas, you know, all sorts of Renegade Soundwave, you know, sort of like all these odd bands. I mean, I used to look after the Orb, DJs. It's sort of, but they, you know, there's some figure in your brain and some don't. It's just, it's, I don't know, it's one of those things. Well, we might have to do a part two then if you remember all these other things after we finish speaking. <laughs> I'm just thinking of a man. <laughs> All right, then. Well, we've, we've God, we've been talking for so long. It's been so interesting. I thought we'd end on something fun. So I thought okay. I thought I'd finish on something like because because you've been touring so long, you must be really good at packing. So what are your yes. top what are your top kind of three to five touring essentials that you always must pack and take with you? Apart from the fact that I have to pack an office and take that with me, um, <laughs> hair gel, grill cream. <laughs> 
which you can't get it in America. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm very, yeah, I, I, yeah. everyone goes, how do you get all that in there? It's because I do. I pack everything down real tiny. And if I get to hotels, I never take anything out of my suitcase. So I'll just take what I need and put it back. Other people are packed for like three or four days, drawers and cupboards and hangers and things. <laughs> I, never, I never do that. I never do that. But I used to take, it's like a pair of slippers with me for the hotels. Then one year, I think I, as usual, got up late because it had a late night or something and then rushed out the door and left the slippers. And I thought, I'm, I'm not taking the slippers because they're not in the suit coat. Two pairs of shoes hanging around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's why I don't like staying in suites either because it's, uh, they're too big. It's just, it's just too much space to lose stuff. So, But essentials would be, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, nowadays, the right phone chargers. If you don't have those, then yeah, it's just that dread of like find them, whatever. Uh, so it's more of a technical side for me. Um, I know I used to take a DVD player with a screen as well, so I could watch. But now, of course, with an iPad. Now, I don't think that I never turn TV on, never, ever. Probably don't have time. No, not even for background or anything. I'd rather just have some music, or I'll have you know, just run Netflix or something, but. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It is a godsend people... having Netflix, isn't it, on your laptop? Because before, it when is. you'd stay in the hotel, they often don't have English channels and you end up watching Bloomberg, CNN, or the news on, like, repeat. This is awful. Well, for me, I spent a lot of time in America. on BBC America, so that, that's cool. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, nowadays, you just take an iPad. It's like, yeah. that's all you need, really. It's like, there's your TV, there's everything you need. A lot of times I'll download loads of box sets and then it's like, I'll never watch them. Eight weeks later, I'll get home and they're still on there. It's like, but it's just a precaution of having them or something like that. But of course, then the bands will call you and go, oh, what's wrong with a TV signal on this channel? And I go, I don't know. I haven't turned the TV on because I don't use the TV. <laughs> so it's one of those. So. <laughs> so basically, you've got to be an expert packer. You want your hair gel and all the right phone yeah. chargers. Yeah. Make sure I've got special adapters. Just make sure I've got the right. I've got it. I've got little setups and things like that. And they're all, you know, I go into some people's rooms and it's like an electricity substation. They've got wiring all over the place. I just, why you brought all that? It's like you could do it with one plug. So that's really it. I mean, I, generally, if if you forget anything and lose anything, nowadays you can just go to a shop. 25, 30 years ago, there were certain territories you went to and you couldn't buy stuff. <laughs> but now it's just it's easily replaceable. Yeah, so you probably wondered how you survived without all those things 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you did. <laughs> when I started, we used to do telex uh, and then the fax machines came. But yeah, otherwise it was fun. <laughs> it. But you managed to survive all those years and you're still doing it. So... Thanks so oh, yeah. much for your time today. It's been That's really good. Pleasure. It's pleasure. been really good to have an insight and for you to kind of mention a few things you haven't dropped into the conversation in the past. So it's really lovely to hear those things. Oh, okay, well, okay, yeah. There's, there's probably more, but it's just like, uh, I don't think everybody wants to hear what I've got to say about stories. Well, you know, I managed to get some stories out of you, so that was yeah, really yeah. good. So yeah. good luck with your future tour. And um, I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Bye. Let's stay in touch. All right, Nikki. Bye. Lots of love. Bye. You too. Bye. You've been listening to Meet Me Backstage. 
make sure you subscribe for more conversations with backstage stars working behind the scenes in the music industry around the world.